Welcome to The Next Track, a podcast about how people listen to music today. I'm Doug Adams. And I'm Kirk McElhern. You can find episode show notes, past episode archives, and listener discussions at our website, thenexttrack.com. And in between episodes, follow us on Twitter at NextTrackCast. Regular listeners know that we record this show on Mondays, and then we release the episode on Friday. So the anecdote I'm about to tell you took place last week uh, on Thursday. Every every so often, Kirk likes to disrupt his his home stereo system setup and and do something different. Now, last week, he wanted to find a uh, a new amplifier. We were interested in looking at that. In the past, he spent a lot of time looking at subwoofers, and we did it by... 12 or 13 episodes on subwoofers. Yes, we'll link in the show notes to those. But uh, this time around, he's looking for a, a, a new amp, or at least investigating it. And last Thursday, we spent some time on the uh, on the text machine, texting each other, you know, links to various different audio components and amplifiers and things like that. Um, on Friday, less than 24 hours later, he texted me a picture of the new amp he decided to buy right there in his house. And I'm wondering, how the heck did he get this thing so fast? Because Amazon doesn't have less than one day delivery. Well, it turns out that Kirk actually left his domicile, <laughs> got in the car, and drove to a brick-and-mortar location to, to buy this, this new piece of equipment. And I have to I don't know when the last time was that I've done something like that, actually go to a store to buy uh, audio equipment. The last time I did that was when I got my new iPhone because I had to go to the Apple store to sign up for the Apple upgrade program. But otherwise, any tech devices I generally buy online. The amp I bought is a new Sonos amp. And Sonos is one of those companies where you can't get them at a discount. So if I were to buy from a chain store or even from Amazon or from Sonos directly, I'd have paid the same price. And it turns out that in Stratford-upon-Avon, there is an audio store called Music Matters. I'll link in the show notes for anyone who's near Stratford. They are a sort of medium to high-end audio store. They have some really fancy stuff, the kind of things that Chris Conacher has talked about on the show. And they have, you know, medium entry-level equipment. They don't have... They they do have some Bluetooth speakers, but they're probably the better ones than average. So, yes, I saw that they were a Sonos dealer, and I was actually taking a day off Friday. I had finished all my work Thursday, and... I decided that I would leave my domicile, as you said, and go and talk to them. And I went in and I explained what I wanted. So here's what I did. I did not want to disrupt my audio setup, but what I wanted to do was disrupt my office. I wanted to minimalize my office. And the previous amp that I had, a Yamaha RN803, link in the show notes, is one of those big receivers. You know, it's 40-odd centimeters wide, the standard size of a hi-fi thing. And it's about, I don't know, 20 centimeters high, so eight inches high, right? It's a big receiver. It's not as big as an AV receiver, but it's the next size down. So I have my desk in a corner of the room. I've got two speakers on stands on either side of the desk for listening. To my right, I have an Ikea Calax shelf on its side. You probably all know Calax. It's the one with the cubes in it. And on top of that, I had the amplifier, the CD player. And on top of that was the DVX-286 microphone processor, which is what makes my voice sound better than Alvin and the Chipmunks. And all of that was sitting to my right, just by the desk, and it just kept distracting me. There was too much stuff, and there's wires coming out of the DBX. There was wires going into the Scarlett USB audio interface. 
And on top of that, there was a USB hub sitting on my end of the shelf with wires coming out of that too. With, I was just going to say, with wires in that too. But sticking up vertically and then leaning over and cascading down behind the, the, the shelf. A cascade of wires? Yes. P.U. So I wanted to remove that and I wanted to simplify. And I had been looking at the Sonos amp because it's small. It's bigger than I thought. I thought it would be about like a Mac Mini, but... It's- just just before you get into it, they just announced this like a month ago, right? Isn't it really like a month or two old? Yeah, yeah. this is brand new. This is about a month old, yeah. And so it's 20 centimeters square, about eight inches square, about three inches tall. So bigger than I thought. I was expecting a Mac Mini from the photos. But I have that now on top of my CD player, which is a standard wide CD player. We'll talk about that later. And to the right of it, I have my CD drive that's connected to my iMac. So instead of about 18 inches of stuff, I now have about six inches of stuff. And it means that there's more clarity. And this this is just a mental thing. At the same time, Friday, I spent the whole morning cleaning my office, getting stuff out, cleaning off my desk. My desk is unrecognizable. It hasn't been this clean in a year. You know, it's spring, and every once in a while, I get into this mood that I want to clean things up. And what what I really wanted, you know, we talked about this. We, we did an episode about wireless equipment and downsizing audio and that's what i wanted i wanted to get less stuff to do the same things yeah we did a show about a month ago on the importance of wi-fi and how how wi-fi has become important to you know your audio equipment and and i would think with this you'd want a decent well covering wi-fi network well i don't think necessarily decent network it it has ethernet jacks in the back it's got an hdmi jack it's got two rca jacks so you can get your audio in in different ways but one reason I wanted to buy this was because AirPlay 2. And, and I'm more and more using AirPlay for everything. I've got a pair of HomePods. I've got a Sonos One speaker. And I'd been using AirPlay with the Yamaha. My Yamaha receiver was not connected to my Mac. I would send music via AirPlay. And w- what I like about AirPlay is that, as you know, because you've seen what my room looks like, at least on video, you've never been here. I have my desk in one corner, and behind me is a comfy chair where I often sit and read and listen to music. And sometimes I'll be playing that music from my iMac, and sometimes I'll have my iPad or my iPhone, and I just want to be able to play music no matter where I am, in what room where I've got something to listen to music to. So it has to be AirPlay. Now, the, the guy in the shop showed me a Marantz system. The, so the Sonos Amp costs 599 pounds. I think it's $599 as well. There was a Marantz system that was 629 And it was this sort of retro-looking device, about the same size as the Sonos, but taller because it had a CD drive in it. But it was too fiddly. It had it had things on the display and buttons and knobs. And if I may say, it actually looked like a a piece of Marantz equipment. If you if you know Marantz, yeah, they have their look. The Sonos basically has three touch buttons on the front: a play, pause button, and two volume buttons. And that's it. There's no display. There's no information about what you're playing. There's no knobs, no buttons. And in a way, the kind of negative thing is that you have to control everything with the app. There's not a remote to be able to control everything. Of course, if you're going to play streaming something, you're going to be using the app. But if I'm streaming from my iMac, I still need to get an iPhone or an iPad to control the Sonos if I want to change anything. You can use the volume controls to touch, but other controls like Next Track you can't do using the app. And so I think there should be a remote. In fact, I'm going to check on the Sonos website if there is a remote for the Sonos amp. An actual hardware remote. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't see one. No, I, that's something that would be useful to have. But I'm wondering, Sonos Amp Remote, if you can use like, if it has an IR receiver, I'll, I'll look into this. And if I find something, I'll put a um, link in the show notes. Oh, you mean so you could repurpose an older remote that was used for some other piece of equipment or something? Well, any, yeah, any standard type of remote. I'll look into that because that would be useful to have that. So anyway, it wasn't so much to change my audio equipment. It was more to change my space. Now, here's something interesting. When I set it up, I unplugged everything, dusted off the shelf, pulled everything out, put this back, turned it on. Oh, yeah, did a full cleaning. Oh. Got my Dyson out and cleaned everything. Great opportunity. And then I started playing, and, and I have a certain number of tracks that I'm very familiar with that I use to test my audio equipment. One of them is Brad Meldow's Exit Music for a Film, and I've mentioned this in the past. Another is Ripple from the Grateful Dead album's American Beauty, because you have a wonderful soundstage with the mandolin and all that. Another is the Perrotin album by the Hilliard Ensemble on ECM, which is 12th century polyphonic singing. And so I was playing these things. I'm thinking, okay, the Yamaha did sound better. Yeah, there's a, it's a bit thin here. But then I realized, because I have a pair of HomePods in the bedroom upstairs, and because the HomePods have no EQ settings, I had my music app on my iPhone set to bass reducer EQ. And I turned off the EQ in the settings app, and then the Sonos sounds fine. Oh, yeah, I love when that happens. It's like a mini eureka moment. I love that. <laughs> you know, I sometimes find these wireless components a little confusing. I think it's because I've been working with analog stuff for so long. You know, the idea of, of plugging things in is so ingrained in my head that I, I, I get a little confused when I look at these devices, so the first thing I look at when I when I ever I look at a, a new piece of equipment is not the front and how it looks, but I look at the back to see what kind of inputs and outputs it has. And as you've described, it's got Ethernet and HDMI, but it has one set of speaker terminals for one pair of speakers, yep. and it has one set of RCA inputs. Right. And so, obviously, the way you get stuff in here is wirelessly. You just you know use AirPlay as as you're doing. But I'm wondering, can you also use... No, actually, you probably can't use wireless speakers with this. You'd have to use the wired, right? Well, you could use... No. The the point, if you're using Sonos wireless speakers, you'd be streaming directly to those speakers, which would be doing the amplification. So, no, you, you do need wired speakers. It also has a subwoofer output. So, oh, right. So the, uh, the, Sonos, the, the Sonos amp takes wireless input, but doesn't send wireless output. That's correct. What would be the point of an amplifier sending something wireless right. to be amplified again later? Just want to make, right. I just want to be clear on this because I know, it's I know, confusing. I know. Um, it can be confusing. So, so I, I, had, I had basically three criteria I wanted in an amplifier. I mentioned AirPlay 2. That was important. I wanted something to use my subwoofer because I really, really appreciate the subwoofer. And I'll talk about that in a minute. And I wanted two speaker zones. Now, the Sonos amp does not have two speaker zones. Because remember, I have speakers on my desk and then further out for me sitting in the comfy chair. So what I've done is I've bi-wired them. I've put one set of banana plugs into the Sonos and the second set of banana plugs into the first set of the banana plugs. So basically the sound goes to both speakers. Now this isn't great when I'm in the comfy chair in the back because of the two speakers on the desk that are too centered, but it works okay. It's not as good as turning them off. Now I could get one of those raunchy looking speaker selector things to put it would be the speaker wire coming out of the, the amplifier to the speaker selector, and then you have buttons. And I'm thinking of that, 
the other option is that I just unplug the banana plugs for the speakers on my desk when I'm listening in the back, but that I don't want to have to do yeah, that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, my, when I think of like a speaker selector, my mind goes back to the Radio Shack catalog where they would say, "And you can, exactly. you can have an amazing two zones in your own home by plugging in this nine dollar really badly made switcher." Yeah, oh, they're not nine dollars anymore. No, probably not. I, I've seen them that are fifty, even a hundred dollars. So. The other thing that I'm thinking is if it's only got two RCA inputs, what if you're an analog nut? Would you have to then, what, could you plug a mixer into it, for instance? Like, I have a really good Mackie mixer. I could plug my, and I have used it for that. I've plugged my old analog components into it. You could do that too, right? That's a good point. You would have to do that. Or even if you're not analog, but you have multiple inputs. So it has an HDMI jack, and if you're going to use this to power a TV set and speakers around a TV set, you'd use that. I have a CD player connected to the RCA jacks, but if I also had a turntable and a tape deck, then it's true, you would need a mixer. The nice picture of the Sonos at the Sonos site has a very nice turntable, and it's it's a nice turntable and the Sonos amp, and you don't see any wires because everything's dropped down behind. But even so, when you look behind, yeah. there aren't that many wires there either. It's just a, I don't even think they had, the turntable must have had a preamp. Because I don't think this handles... I don't think it has a phono stage. So you would have to have a separate phono stage. Which is a good point because they sell it, they advertise it with the turntable, but I don't think it has what's necessary. I mentioned CD player, and I sent you a link, and I'll put a link in the show notes, to a Tangent CD2 player, which is roughly the same size as the Sonos amp. It's basically a hi-fi version of a computer CD-ROM drive. Remember back in the day when they came in fairly large boxes and it's got the buttons on the front, the play, pause, and and, and whatever else. And I was thinking, okay, I'll get that because it's small like the Sonos. It'll stay out of the way. But then I realized, I don't listen to CDs that often, a couple times a month. I have a Cambridge Audio 651BD, which is a Blu-ray player. It does HD CDs. It does SACDs, of which I own one. Every Grateful Dead release is HDCD, but SACD, I only have one. I think my friend Andy Doe gave me one. And the CD player itself isn't very tall, so it doesn't bother me that it's on the bottom of the pile with the amp on top. So I don't think I'm going to spend the money for the smaller CD player. I could probably sell mine for what the other one would cost, but the one I have does more. And even if I don't use it often, it, it's not visually in the way and i could probably shunt it someplace else potentially so it won't even be in that spot i mean i'm not totally obsessive about this but i did want it was just really lowering that thing and getting rid of those wires and that it just looked annoying didn't the marantz that we were looking at didn't that have a cd drive in it it did it had a, a slot loading cd drive and that's why it was taller yeah and that was one reason i was thinking of it but it just had that marantz look which yeah. really isn't that good I do like the idea, though, of having the CD player in in the amp. I mean, because if there's going to be anything that you're going to add, that might be the extra one. But you could easily hook up a turntable to this Marantz, have the CD, and you'd you'd be golden. You'd have you know everything you could possibly, want, unless you're still listening to cassettes. But yeah, and and the Marantz does have two speaker zones and it has AirPlay too, so it would have done everything. I want it if it didn't look the way it did. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, if you don't care about looks. Or, it, I mean, if you like that look, <laughs> maybe there's yes, something. Yes, exactly. I'm, I'm more in tune with a sort of a minimalist approach, and I like the way the Sonos amps looks. So I mentioned Subwoofer, and I wanted to come back to that, because, as I said, there's a bit of a drawback to using an app to control this amp, 
But one of the advantages is that you have all these settings in the app. You've got bass and treble, you've got loudness, you've got balance, and you have subwoofer settings. So if you do have a subwoofer, it detects that the subwoofer is connected. And what I was able to do was to use this little toggle here to turn the subwoofer on and off and to really hear the difference between the subwoofer on and off. And it really does make a right. difference. Without having to crawl around back and then reposition exactly. yourself into the sweet spot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you stand in the sweet spot the whole time. Right. And so you get a sub-level volume control. You get a crossover frequency control. Oh. So I adapted the crossover frequency to what my subwoofer has. And I listened at different frequencies and found the one where it seems to work best. There's also a phase control. And I know there's a thing about some subwoofers that go that are the opposite phase and you need to change it, but I haven't touched that. So I'm, I'm actually quite pleased with this. I'll be able to sell my Yamaha on eBay for, you know, a decent amount of money. It's, it's not that old. I really like the minimalist aspect of this. I like what Sonos is doing. And I've mentioned this previously the, with the Sonos Beam soundbar and the Sonos One speaker. I like the minimalist nature of this device. One of the main reasons they created this is that the previous Sonos, I think it's called the Sonos Connect, the previous amplifier they sold, was used by people who were installing home theater systems. So you would run your audio out of your TV or out of, if you didn't have an AV amplifier, you'd run it into the Sonos thing and then it would transmit to all your speakers. And so they've designed this in part for that particular demographic. And if you look for reviews of the Sonos amp online, you'll see a lot of them talk about that and less and fewer people talk about the actual musicality. It's the ideal amp for a home theater system because it does there's no knobs to distract you, there's no display. You can just put it anywhere. You don't even need to do anything. It's also quite powerful. The the you get 125 watts per per channel. 125 watts per channel. Yeah. I mean that's the Marantz. I think it was 60 watts per channel. And if you went four speakers, it was 30 watts per channel. I mean that doesn't that yeah. doesn't drive anything in my house. Well, it would drive it, but I think I'd get distortion as I would turn the volume exactly. up. And so that's something else I noticed that at the same iTunes volume into the Sonos amp, it's really really loud compared to the Yamaha amp, which I think the Yamaha was still 100 watts per channel. Now, remember, this is a Class D amplifier, and you always talk about your little Class D amplifiers that are pure digital. The Yamaha was the, the sort of Class A or AB or whatever kind of analog, so the analog internals. And there's a huge debate in, among audiophiles over Class D versus, you know, more analog, and analog sounds warmer, but tube sounds even warmer than that. And I'm impressed by the power. I mean, I did have to turn the volume down and really tweak things a lot differently than the way be they were before. Yeah, I thought that was pretty impressive. I mean, but actually for a $600 amp, I think I would expect that sort of wattage, at least 100. Uh, 125, I thought was an odd number, <laughs> to be honest with you. Well, it's entirely possible that, I I'm not sure how this works in a multi, like a 5.1 system, but if you're connecting two front speakers and a subwoofer, to a TV, you do need a certain amount of power if you want it to have oomph when you're watching the latest Marvel superhero movie. So if you're using back speakers with this, I think they're the wireless Sonos speakers. So that's not getting anything from the amplifier. But if you're using non-Sonos front speakers, then you do need that kind of power for... I guess, I guess they're assuming that there are people who have home theater systems in fairly large rooms and they don't want to make two different versions of an amplifier. They want to right. make one that is going to suit most people. I hadn't thought about, <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny what you don't think about when you're used to analog. But, I mean, you're right. In a home theater system, this could power 
you know, your your main speakers, and then you could have, you know, rear speak uh, rear rear wireless speakers. I hadn't even yeah. thought about that as yeah. in a five one system. That's yeah. uh, that's uh, funny. well, it wouldn't be a five one, would it? It'd be a four one because you don't have a center dialogue speaker. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure how you'd fit that in if Sonos has. Presumably, they have all that. I don't really pay attention because I don't care about that. I have a sound bar now, and I'm not worried. But I think you can actually use the sound bar as a center dialogue speaker. In the advanced audio settings here, there's a TV dialogue setting for audio delay, and I've got that on my TV. There's subwoofer setting. There's also the line-in setting. So it detects that you have a line-in source, and you can name it as you want. Now, here's what's interesting. I can put something on my CD player that's connected to the Sonos amp, and it will broadcast that to my other Sonos speaker or to any other AirPlay 2 device that I have. And that's interesting, that it's both a receiver and a broadcaster. So I, I could play a CD here and listen to it in the kitchen on my Sonos One. And what else does it have? It has a stereo mono, and it detects Sonos architectural. These are these new in-wall speakers that Sonos released recently. So I guess it's able to detect them as they're wireless. I think, yeah, that's right. Didn't they announce all of these um, products at, at the same time? I think I seem to remember seeing pictures of the Sonos amp with the uh, with the in-wall, in-ceiling speakers. And I think, you know, again, the home theater aspect of it. Yeah. And so there's a, a setting here to add surrounds, and you choose which ones. The Sonos Play 1, Sonos 1, Play 3, Play 5, or a Connect amp, or another Sonos amp. Because what you can do is have a second Sonos amp for your back speakers. It'll wirelessly send the music for the back speakers to the other amplifier, so they don't have to be powered back speakers. You could have standard back speakers with the amplification. It's really quite clever what they've done here. It's quite versatile, too. Yeah, very flexible yeah. with where the situations you could put this in. Yeah. There is a remote setting. Use IR. Boom. I'm going to buy a universal remote as soon as we have finished. You're going to buy it online or you're going to walk down to Remotes or Us? Or I'll something. buy that online. Yeah. yeah. No, not worth driving into Stratford. No, not for worth that. leaving the house for. So please find the remote control you want to set up. You'll be asked to press certain buttons on the remote control. So basically, it's going to learn from any remote. Like a universal remote does. We like that. Yeah. I probably have an old remote for something that I can use. So, okay, that's my, that's my new toy. Again, what interests me most is that I have simplified my office space, and I'm in the process of simplifying more by buying a couple of small tables to replace two ugly old printer tables that I have, like one next to my desk where I put my tea and another by my comfy chair where I've got books on. And they're both ugly old printer tables and I'm getting rid of them and I've got two new tables coming. So. And let me assure everyone, we won't be doing an episode on Kirk's new tables. Got to draw the line somewhere. Okay, so next track. If you're a regular listener, you know that the Venn diagram of music that Doug and I both like has a fairly large overlap, but there's a big chunk of music that Doug is passionate about that just doesn't grab me much. All that sort of blues rock stuff from the 70s. I like it, but it doesn't, it's not my go-to music. And I found an album this weekend on Apple Music. For the first time in months, I listened to the new music mix on Apple Music. And I disliked about three quarters of it. I ignored about another quarter of it. In other words, I didn't dislike it, but didn't like it. But I found one that stood out. It's a new record by J.J. Kale, Stay Around. Now, he's been dead for a bit. And, you know, I did not know J.J. Kale's music. I know he did that recording of Cocaine that was really well-known. And I know he's got a particular, what do they call it, the Tennessee style or wherever he's from. And this is a posthumous release of some music that he had recorded before he died. And it's certainly not the best of his work. 
but I found it enjoyable, and this is going to make me listen to more J.J. Kale. But this one is called Stay Around. Lyrically, it's not that great. I mean, the title track is Stay Around, Stay Around, Girl, and Let's Make Love One More Time. Stay Around, Stay Around, Girl, Ain't Nothing Like You, You're So Fine. Let's Slip Away. <laughs> I got to get through the whole thing here. Let's slip away, away into the night. Let's make love till it feels just right. Stay around, stay around, girl, and let's make love one more time. Music's better than the lyrics. It's definitely not Shakespeare. Well, it's, well, you know, I, I, sometimes you listen to old Robert Johnson stuff and you go, what are you really saying here? So maybe that's has much more depth than you and I realize. Yeah, in any case, an artist I don't know, and I'm thinking it's an album you hadn't discovered yet. Well, I'm going to discover it this week. Yes, but you didn't know about it. No, I didn't know and about it. And for once, I got one on your side of the Venn diagram that you did not know about. <laughs> what about you? What have you got this week? I have been looking for a collection, a weekend companion, an omnibus, if you will, of Mose Allison music, because uh, I would like to hear some concentrated Mose Allison every so often, and he recorded an awful lot. If you don't know Mose Allison, he is a white American jazz blues piano player, singer, songwriter, uh, popular in the late 50s, early 60s, and actually he performed right into uh, this century. He died a couple of years ago, but his popularity, I think, mostly stems from the stuff he did in the 50s. I've run into Mose Allison quite a bit. The first time was when I heard the Who Live at Leeds do Young Man Blues, and that's a Mose Allison song. And from there, I, I heard Cactus do Parchman Farm. And it turns out Parchman Farm is one of the most uh, re-recorded songs by Mose Allison ever. Pete Townsend, I think, was also inspired by his version of Eyesight to the Blind, which is a Sonny Boy Williamson song. But I think Townsend liked the recording, and Eyesight to the Blind is part of Tommy. The Clash recorded Mose Allison's Look Here on their Sandinista album. So Mose Allison is is definitely influential in a, in a lot of rock music. But I also like his laid-back, coffeehouse, hipster style of singing and the way he infuses jazz with blues. He really, I, I think, created a different kind of blues and brought a lot of attention to the blues because of the way he played it. But I, I really love his singing style. It's just so laid back and so cool and so hipster. But anyway, the album that I found that I think is going to be worth listening to is called The Prestige Collection, Mose Allison Greatest Hits. And it's got the stuff he recorded on the Prestige label, mostly in the late 50s. He does a couple of the songs I mentioned. He also does some standards like uh, Trouble in Mind, Do Nothing Till You Hear From Me, Don't Get Around Much Anymore. It's It looks like a pretty solid album, and I, th I think I would recommend it to people who hadn't heard of Mose Allison. It is the Prestige Collection, Mose Allison, Greatest Hits, and it's my next track. This was episode number 147 of the next track, and by the way... Kirk did manage to get an old Apple IR remote to work with the uh, Sonos amp, just the volume and mute control, but that's pretty much all he wanted anyway. We've got links to some of the things we talked about in the show notes for this episode. Just visit thenexttrack.com. And if you like the show, we'd appreciate it if you gave us a rating or a review wherever it is you get your podcasts. And if you're not up to that, spread the word via mouth. I'm Doug Adams, and for Kirk McElhern, thanks again. We'll talk to you next time.